At the time of this recording, we're still waiting on word from Riley Leonard about where he'll be playing football next fall. But on Monday, we did find out that Sam Hartman has played his final game in the blue and gold and that Steve Angeli will make his first career start for the Irish in the Sun Bowl. That's all coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 12th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs is find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So I'm going to admit, uh, today I thought I was going to be reacting to Riley Leonard's decision to play football at Notre Dame next year. Luke and I uh, had been waiting all night for him to make an announcement in that never happened. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it'll be official, but we still have plenty more to talk about. Uh, we get into Sam Hartman's decision to opt out of the bowl game and what that means for Steve Angeli and his first career start for the Irish. We also talk about Xavier Watts and Joe Walt becoming the 109th and 110th consensus All-Americans in school history. That is more than any other college football team in the country. So we have a lot to get to today. Let's bring in Luke. All right, Luke Smith is back with me here, and Luke, let's just be honest for a second. We had a plan for this show, and we kind of had to throw out that plan because we all expected Riley Leonard to announce his commitment to Notre Dame this afternoon, but at the time of this recording, which is 6.47 Pacific, almost 10 p.m. Eastern time, it still has not happened. Maybe by the time you're watching or listening to this show, it'll be official and Riley Leonard will have announced his commitment to play for Notre Dame. But clearly, he did not factor our schedule into his decision making. And for that reason, I think he's going to be a bust. Is that fair to say? <laughs> you mean if it's happening at all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am still very certain yeah. that it is going to happen, but it is kind of weird that everyone was reporting that the announcement was going to happen today and it just still hasn't. What's strange is, I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, they're just waiting to drop the video. Is this video like some <laughs> award-winning level video? Like, how difficult yeah. is this thing to put together? They got Martin Scorsese to direct Riley Leonard's commitment video, although Sam Hartman did post a five-plus-minute video today. And I, I actually like the video announcing um, his goodbye to college football, which we'll get to here in a few minutes. But, yeah, I really don't understand because it sounds like he's already committed. He might already be enrolled in school, and yet we still have not heard him say it uh, publicly or via social media. It's a strange world we're living in. I don't want to speculate anything, but yeah, the, the more time passes, the stranger it seems. And like you said, this probably means that by tomorrow morning, it'll be a done deal publicly. But yeah, certainly, certainly a strange one. Honestly, by the time we finish recording, like we'll click that red button, we'll be done, we'll, we'll be ready to call it in for the night, and then he'll make his announcement uh, super late. But the thing is, this is just another, I guess, chapter you can call it. And what's been sort of a weird saga around the whole Riley Leonard situation because um, he puts his name in the transfer portal, or at least he announces his intentions to enter the transfer portal. And everyone um, who seemingly covers the sport was like, he's going to Notre Dame. 
<laughs> like the moment right. he entered the portal. So then we hear all this tampering stuff, and it's like, okay, well, then this is signed, sealed, and delivered. Notre Dame is going to get their guy. But before that, there were actually some reports out there that he might be headed to wa- uh, Washington or Oregon, and it seemed like he was never even going to be an option for Notre Dame. So then you deal with that, and then a few days go by, and then there's some reports that Ohio State – was pursuing him, that they had a lot of interest in him. And then there were conflicting reports about whether or not Ohio State, um, after their evaluation, if they were still interested in him. Some people say that they were. Some people say that they weren't, and that they elected to pass on him. And then Notre Dame was back in the driver's seat. So now it seems like we're just waiting for the official word. But still, it's just been a really weird uh, deal with Riley Leonard over the past couple weeks. It is. And for that reason, I... I've kind of tried not to give it too much thought because it feels like a lot of times we put the cart in front of the horse with things like this. Um, and I, I don't want to be in that situation. Um, I mean, heck, two two weeks ago, was it? We thought it was going to be Will Howard who was going to be the quarterback here. So um, so there's that too. So I, I'm kind of just being cautious of that or cognizant of that so I don't make a fool of myself or, or a bigger fool of myself than I already have, I should say. <laughs> well, you did kind of speak it into existence when I asked you, who do you want to be the quarterback for Notre Dame next year? And you said, not Riley Leonard. And then literally right after that is when all of this ensued with him announcing his intentions to enter the transfer portal. So maybe it was you. Mm, could be. So I guess I should say he is not coming to Notre Dame. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, and then he'll probably announce he's going. Um, but yeah, it's been a weird deal. It does sound like the announcement is coming very soon, but we can't really discuss it today. Have you come around to him uh, potentially being the quarterback, though, as all of this has gone on? I'm still relatively indifferent on it. And I, I think part of this, and I'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about Sam Hartman, part of it is... I'm just not sure how on board I am with this whole era of just bringing in mercenaries for a year to play quarterback. It's just, it, it kind of takes away from the sport for me a little bit, if we're being totally honest. Um, and so maybe that's why I haven't allowed myself to give it too much thought. But as, as far as his actual talent is concerned, I, I think I'm still relatively indifferent on it. Okay. What do you think the best case scenario is for then for this mercenary situation, as you call it? Because like, we know he's a great athlete. He obviously has struggled a little bit passing the football, but there is a world where he really kind of puts it all together and uh, could have a great season for Notre Dame. So what do you think is like truly the ceiling for Riley Leonard at Notre Dame? Well, I wish that they had two years with him because he frankly hasn't played a ton of football. I know that he started every game in 2022, but this year he really, um, what, played six games, seven games, something like that, uh, and was hurt in a number of those. So I wish that they had two years to really develop him because I think that if you if you had that, you could see him almost developing into a Desmond Ritter like player. And and I, I want to note this is something that I thought of as I was just starting to think about this transition a week ago. And then literally the next day, I heard Jamie Uyama of Irish Sports Daily and Hit and Hustle make this comparison. So that also made me feel better that I wasn't completely out there on that one. Uh, but I want to give him some partial credit there as well. I think that the comp makes sense, particularly with the influence of, of Gino Gadouli. I mean, that's a guy who developed Desmond Ritter into what he was. It'd be interesting to see what he can do with somebody with similar measurables and, and probably a little bit more athletic than Desmond Ritter. But um, Desmond Ritter ended up being a very good college quarterback who went to the college football playoff. And I think they can do that with Riley Leonard next year, given that the right path unfolds. The unfortunate thing with Leonard is that he really hasn't played that much college football. 
Like, he played every game in 2022. That's when he really broke out. He had a phenomenal season, almost 3,000 passing yards and then 700 rushing yards. But his freshman season, he only played in seven games. And then this past season, he only played in seven games. And his freshman season, he played in those games, but he wasn't starting most of them. And then this season, he dealt with the injury that he suffered against Notre Dame, coincidentally enough. So even though next season will be his last year of eligibility, he just hasn't played a ton of college football. And something um, that's becoming more clear in this transfer portal era is that a lot of these quarterbacks, when they switch teams, Their first year might be good, but their second year is when they really take off. Look at this year's Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, in his second year at LSU. Michael Penick, second year at Washington. Bo Nix, second year at Oregon. You can go back to Joe Burrow uh, in his second year at LSU. So it's clear that these one-and-done deals aren't that great, but I think from Notre Dame's perspective, they just look at it as he's better than the alternative, and that's why they have to be so aggressive in trying to uh, get Leonard out of the transfer portal. Yeah, and I, I think that that's also why it's probably not a one-to-one comparison with Ritter because Ritter ended up being a four-year starter, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so that's where you just saw continual development year over year, and they're just not going to have that kind of time with Riley Leonard, which is why it's not the greatest comparison just because of time alone. I think traits-wise, it might make a bit more sense, but I, I just don't think they have that kind of time to develop him like that. Yeah, and, and since all of this is gone down since we started to hear that Riley Leonard was likely going to end up at Notre Dame. Um, I started to watch more of his highlights from his time at Duke. And I think the best case scenario for him might be a better version of Deshaun Kaiser in 2015 because they have similar size. And I think um, even though Deshaun's last season at Notre Dame was a disaster in 2016, he was really good for the most part in 2015 when he came in for Malik Zaire. And I think his running ability is actually underrated. I went back and looked at it. He had 525 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns that year, and he was such a threat in the run game that I think it opened up lanes for C.J. Proceis and Josh Adams. And if Riley Leonard is the quarterback for Notre Dame next year, I'd have to imagine Jared Parker is going to completely modify the offense to take advantage of his skill set. And we know Notre Dame wants to run the ball, and having a running quarterback, like if Sam Hartman had Riley Leonard's running ability, I think the offense would have been unbelievable having two guys in the backfield that could run the ball because it just, you know, with Notre Dame's wide receiving core this year, Sam Hartman's skill set, it wasn't a great combination, I guess you should say. We'll be right back with Luke to talk more about Notre Dame's quarterback situation. But first, I wanted to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I used LinkedIn Jobs a couple years ago, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about the role, and eventually I got the job. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
it's a good segue into Sam Hartman because he did officially announce um, on Monday that he will not be playing in the Sun Bowl, even though he didn't explicitly state it in a five-minute uh, long video, which is kind of funny. He he said a lot of great things in the video, but he actually never stated that he wasn't going to play in this bowl game. So um, there's been a lot of uh, interesting fan reactions about his decision, and honestly, outside of Notre Dame as well. So what were your thoughts uh, on Sam Hartman's decision? I get it in the uh, in the sense that you're working with a completely reworked offensive line and are missing a lot of other weapons too. Um, it is a little disappointing to me, but given how many guys are opting out, it appears that the team has the same opinion on El Paso and the Sun Bowl that I do. Um, so I, I'm not sure why everybody was so up in arms about that commentary last week, man, but that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, that, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, we can get more into what his what we're going to remember him as but yeah that's uh I guess I can understand it at first when we started to hear the reports that he was likely going to opt out I was really surprised because I think of Sam Hartman as a guy that just loves to play football I think one of the big reasons why he elected to come back to college for a sixth year enter his name in the transfer portal instead of going to the NFL which is what a lot of people expected him to do is because he realized that if he went to the NFL he might just end up being a backup and who knows when uh, or if he'd even see the field again uh, for a significant time so he's like I want to play football for one more year I don't know how many years left I have doing this so he comes to Notre Dame starts every game and I figured you know he'd want just one more game uh, in the blue and cold but look Notre Dame is going to be without they're basically going to be playing with their second-string offensive line. All the receivers, uh, even though they've added a couple in the transfer portal, they aren't going to be able to play in the Sun Bowl, so he's going to be working with the skeleton wide receiver crew, and it wasn't that great to begin with. Um, Audrey Kesame hasn't announced at this point in time that he's not going to be playing, but I think we all expect him to be gone. So I think from Sam Hartman's perspective, he has a lot more to lose than to gain by playing in this game, and you're right. like This is just sort of how things are. Guys opt out of bowl games, and the fact that J.D. Bertrand is even considering opting out makes me think that literally any player could opt out of a bowl game at this point anytime. So I'm with you. I was a little disappointed at first, but honestly, when you look at the situation, it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, uh, moral of the story, Tony, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is, is just not that big of a draw for collegiate athletes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, because it sounds like pretty much every other uh, senior or guy who even has to make a decision is opting uh, to not play in the game, with the exception of Xavier Watts, although it sounds like he might be coming back to Notre Dame next year. But, you know, with, with Sam Hartman's time at Notre Dame coming to an end, I think it, it's a good time to sort of reflect on the experience. And there were some incredible highs and some really low lows, which is sort of emblematic of his entire collegiate career. Like he's had some great moments and some moments where you look at it and you're like, what the hell happened in that game? So when you think back on the Sam Hartman era at Notre Dame, how will you remember it? I'll say that Hartman's time in South Bend, I don't feel like a fever dream. Um, you go back to the the hot start at the beginning yeah. of the year. Ireland feels like a long time ago, but the highs were crazy. I mean, you had people thinking, and when I say people, I mean myself, like, okay, <laughs> this team might be able to beat anybody in the country. Um, and if not for one last guy on the field against Ohio State, who knows what path this season takes. Uh, and I think that that's something that's going to haunt this team or this program and probably Sam Hartman for a long time. Um I don't want to disparage, but I think what should be said is that he didn't live up to the unrealistic expectations we set for him as fans. I think all in all, 
he was still very good. Um, I think that there was more of an adjustment to learning a pro-style offense than everybody had accounted for. And I think that he did not have a lot of help with the receivers or even the offensive line at times. Um, big picture, I appreciated how much he seemed to embrace Notre Dame. And, and honestly, I, I think it does make sense how much he did embrace the place given coming from Wake Forest where there's, what, isn't it like 2,000 kids go to that school? It's 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 a time, It's not that quite that small, but it's it's smaller than Notre Dame. You're not in the big time every week. Um, and then this was obviously like kind of the pinnacle for him. And it probably will end up being the pinnacle of his football career. So I think that that showed. And I, I appreciated the gratitude and respect that he seemed to show during his year there. Um, but as we're now doing this with Riley Leonard and the NIL conversations that go along with this, it does start to make me wonder like, okay, maybe take a step back from this because just the way this sport is trending, it's, it's not the same identifiable things that we grew up with as we started to like this sport. And that's not going to stop me from watching any of the games or getting out outrageously or irrationally <laughs> upset when they lose a game. But there's things like this where it's like, this isn't quite the same sport. And I think that the Sam Hartman era is somewhat emblematic of that. I think it did more good than bad, but at the same time it was like, well, um, that was kind of whack that he was a quarterback here for a year. And that's why I, I used the term fever dream. Yeah, I, I get your point about it being a little bit weird with guys not being around that long. But guys weren't really around that long in college football to begin with. I mean, you think about it, you get a good player like Kyron Williams. He was there and out in a hurry. He played two seasons really for yeah. Notre Dame. So the concept of guys being around for a really long time, it just hasn't happened. And in the case of Sam Hartman, I think that's why I appreciated how he handled himself and how much he seemed to love and respect the university because he was only around for a calendar year. And when these guys are coming in and out, like Sam Hartman did not have to embrace Notre Dame as much as he did. He was getting paid to play football for Notre Dame, but he seemed to appreciate everything about the university and the history of the program and all that. So from that aspect, I'm always going to uh, appreciate his time at Notre Dame. But for his play on the field, I, I understand your point about it being disappointing in some sense because he didn't have a signature win. He had a signature moment against Duke when he basically carried the team on that final drive uh, and led Notre Dame down the field 98 yards for a game-winning drive. And if you think about what could have happened to the season if he did not do that. It, it's it's kind of scary to think about the slippery slope that Notre Dame could have gone down in that scenario. But I think he played winning football in 10 of the 12 games. It's not his fault that Notre Dame gave up a third 19 and then had 10 men on the field for the last play against Ohio State, or last two plays, I should say. But he also played really, really poorly against Clemson. And yes, we can point out the receivers. We can point to the offensive line. Um, but he played really poorly in that game and he didn't have his best game against Louisville. Now I would attribute most of that to the offensive line. But when we look back at the Sam Hartman era, I think you, you made a great point. It was more so he didn't live up to our expectations, but maybe it was our fault. We had the wrong right. expectations for him to begin with. Exactly. And as far as what I was saying about, um, you know, the transfer portal and NIL stuff, it's, it's not so much because you're right college football players had never been along around for that long. It's more so the changing of teams. Like that's why I'm saying it was bizarre. It's like, as you associate somebody else with a certain place and then all of a sudden they're playing for another school, like 
watching a UVA game next year and seeing Chris Tyree out there is going to be strange. It just is. Yeah, it um, is. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like it feels a little bit more professional in that sense. And um, I, maybe that's why I've never really liked professional sports as much as as college. But, hey, that's, that's what it is. Um, but that was the point. I was trying to make, I think, as it pertains to, that's why it, it all does feel a little bit loopy or whack to me. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans, when they heard he opted out, they were like, that's weak. Um, you know, he didn't fulfill his obligations. Look, he gave everything he had to Notre Dame uh, for the regular season, and all these other guys are opting out for the bowl game. Like, this is just the way it is. That's not a thing specific to Hartman right now. And I realize that he's not going to be a top draft pick, but at this point, if he plays in that bowl game, he runs a serious risk of getting hurt because he's playing with the second-team offensive line. He doesn't really have guys to throw to. It's not really a great situation for him. So I understand why he opted out. But looking at the season as a whole and, and looking at Sam Hartman, all of his flaws were out in the open. Like, we knew he was susceptible to throwing interceptions. We knew that he could have a really bad game in there. And I think that throughout the offseason, we kind of talked ourselves into – the fact that, well, his circumstances at Notre Dame are going to be so much better than at Wake Forest. And in some respects, that's true. There was a better overall team around him, specifically the defense that he played with. But on offense, Wake Forest had better wide receivers. And I think Notre Dame had a better offensive line, but it wasn't leaps and bounds better than what he played with at Wake Forest, which is what we all expected it to be at Notre Dame. Not only that, he committed a play uh, for Tommy Reese. And Tommy Reese left, what, a month after he committed, and he never wavered. He, uh, I remember that video he posted the day of when all these fans were like, is he going to leave, is he going to leave, he's going to leave. And then he just posted like live from the Goog, and he was getting after it with his teammates. And the way that the guys on the team talk about him shows you that he was a, a leader in that locker room. Guys really liked playing with him. They respected him um, when – Notre Dame was playing Wake Forest. They were asking J.D. Bertrand about his senior day. He's like, I don't really care about that. All I care about is winning this game for Sam Hartman. So even though the wins and losses weren't what we had hoped for, I think that Sam Hartman is going to have an impact on this program that extends far beyond this season, especially for some of the younger quarterbacks in the room, like Steve Angeli, who will have his first start in the Sun Bowl uh, against Oregon State. Really? Because I, I was told that um, actually it was going to be Sam Hartman who got more from Notre Dame than Notre Dame got from Sam Hartman. <laughs> okay. You know what? <laughs> Let me just make this clear because I know what you're referring to. Anyone who says that Notre Dame should not have taken Sam Hartman, do you understand that the person who would have started for Notre Dame is now not playing college football to play lacrosse? I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and as the point you just made, now who knows what happens with Steve Angeli if Riley Leonard does actually commit here. But I know they're really high on Kenny Minchie, and the effect he had on those guys, like that's not nothing, okay? It's yeah. something, I would think. I would think a lot was was gleaned there, was picked up. So feels like kind of a short-sighted way of, of looking at things. And, hey, by the way, if they didn't get him and they went, I don't know, five and seven this year or six and six with said lacrosse player quarterback. Um, we're having a lot different conversations. Yeah, the the state of the program would be in a much, much different place, even if it's not what we had hoped it would be. 
Luke and I still have more to get to, but I wanted to tell you about an exciting new development here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel lately, there's no better time to get out in the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. All right, my pick for this week. I'm sorry I let you guys down last week when I took the under in the Thursday night football game between the Patriots and the Steelers, but guess what? I'm coming back with another under bet in this week's Thursday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders. It looks like Justin Herbert is not going to be playing in this game, Um, so I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points scored, so give me the under. Right now, it's at 33.5 on Fandle, and yeah, I'm taking the under again. Visit Fandle.com, slash locked on, and kick off the NFL season. Fandle, an official partner of the NFL. Well, let's talk about Steve Angeli because even though the circumstances for him in this game aren't ideal with the guys who he's going to be playing with, it's his first start for Notre Dame, and it's a great opportunity for him. I don't know if I don't know if there's anything he can do in this game. As a matter of fact, I don't think there is. There's nothing he can do in this game that's going to make uh, the coaching staff change their minds about whether or not he should be the starter for the team next season because they have seen him every day in practice for the past two years. But it's still a good opportunity for him to showcase his skill set, to not just come in and mop up duty uh, and really play a full college football game against a team who, even though they have a lot of guys opting out, it's still you know a pretty solid defense. Yeah, it definitely is. And I know we tried to figure out what are reasonable expectations for Angeli in this game. And I don't know that there's it's like a statistical aspect you can put on that because you consider the challenge he's going up against entirely different offensive line. In fact, I think we'll see that Pat Coogan will end up being the only starting offensive lineman who starts this game or the only guy, the only offensive lineman who started every game this season too, which is kind of remarkable. Um, Missing three receivers, your running back. As we know, Mitchell Evans is out. Your number two tight end, Holden Stays, is in the portal, too. When you just put things like that, it's, it's crazy what he's working with or not working with, I should say. Um, but all that said, I, I expect to see the same poise from him that we've seen when he's come in all year outside of that Stanford game, which, you know what, it's weird. There's not fans there. That, that could have just – we'll chalk that yeah. up to uh, – it was like a practice. But I don't know how that translates – from a stat perspective, but I do think he'll carry himself well, and I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. I think the expectation is just win. Yeah, fair. Okay. I I think it's really that simple because I don't expect him to throw it more than 20 times. I think Notre Dame is going to try to run the ball a lot on this defense, even with a depleted offensive line. They still have Jadarian Price. They still have Jeremiah Love, and it's a great opportunity for those guys to really show what they're made of, and I think that's going to be the focus for Notre Dame. They just don't have enough receivers to really throw the ball a lot. I don't think they're going to try to put Angeli into that situation. Now, if Notre Dame gets down early and they're forced to throw the ball a little bit more, that's where things can maybe get interesting for Angeli if he's able to mount a comeback. But I think that... Uh, Jared Parker is going to put together a game plan that just really asks him to manage the game uh, and be a game manager, which is fine. I feel like that is such a negative connotation to it now. But if he's a game manager, doesn't turn the ball over, gets Notre Dame to a win, I think that's the best case scenario for for him in this game. Yeah, I'll definitely take it. Um, It is interesting. 
just like how less, how little energy there seems to be about this bowl game. And last year, I, I feel like there was more going into that game against South Carolina. And that game ended up being very, very entertaining to watch. I don't know if we're going to get that same uh, sort of entertainment value this time around, but hey, who knows? Maybe we will. That was a blast. Like yeah. the, the Gator Bowl. I was surprised at how emotionally invested I was in that game, but there was just so many highs and lows. There's a point where I was like, Notre Dame's getting their ass beat. Like, this sucks, and they come back. And also, I think part of the excitement about that was seeing Tyler Buckner play in that game after missing the entire season. And Although, at the time, we had gotten word that Sam Hartman was likely going to end up at Notre Dame in the transfer portal. So that was sort of a weird dynamic, kind of like what Angeli is going to be dealing with in this game. Um, but it's still cool to see Tyler Buckner and for all of his flaws, he's exciting. <laughs> you never really know what to expect with him as the starting quarterback. So, uh, from that standpoint, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun, but I don't expect, uh, the Tony, the tiger symbol to have that level of excitement, but Hey, I I've been wrong before. I could be wrong about this one as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hope you are, but, uh, I hope I am too, but we'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not counting on it. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Will this be the last game? that Steve Angeli plays for Notre Dame? I'm going to say no, actually. Um, I do not think he's going to transfer, and maybe that's just a naive um, person in me. If he does, I think it'll obviously happen in the spring at this point. I think he maybe rides out spring practice and sees where he's at. But I don't know, the Bergen Catholic thing, you're this close to getting your degree. You just saw how that blew up in Drew Pine's face, not waiting around to get a, a degree. Maybe maybe you decide, you know what? I'll get my degree, and and maybe he redshirts. I don't know, you know? And then he has two years of eligibility to play somewhere else. Um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but that, that could happen. Who knows? Well, you mentioned Drew Pine might be coming back to Notre Dame, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Is he going to play football or is he? I don't think he's so. got three years of eligibility left. It's just a rumor. Um, the thing about Steve Angeli is if he transfers, what's his market? I mean, unless he comes out and balls out in this game and maybe some Max school wants to take him. But I definitely expect him to stick around for the spring and, and give it a real shot, see what he can do. And uh, if it doesn't work out, he's probably the most likely to transfer. Mm -hmm. I just don't see a scenario where Notre Dame enters the 2024 season with four scholarship quarterbacks with Riley Leonard, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, and CJ Carr. But yeah. um, I expect one of them to leave. Steve Angeli would make the most sense, but we're going to have to wait and see. All right, last topic for us here. Xavier Watts and Joe Alt were named consensus All-Americans and just a really incredible honor for both of them. They're both first-team uh, All-Americans on the Associated Press team, the Football Writers Association of America, and the Walter Camp. Audrey Gessime was also a second-team All-American in the AP, as was Howard Cross. Howard Cross was also the second-team uh, on the FWAA and the Walter Camp All-American teams. But I want to ask you this question that I've been thinking about all day. Are Xavier Watts and Joe Walt the most unlikely All-Americans in school history at Notre Dame? With all the pedigree was certainly there. Um, however, he was not a highly rated recruit by any stretch. And it's the lowest rated recruit in the class. Yeah, I, I know. I, I guess having a pro bowl dad, maybe just like I said, the pedigree was there, but it, it's a remarkable journey. And one that I'm not sure happens the way it did without a rash of injuries that were suffered along the offensive line. 2021, if you remember correctly, 
I, if I remember correctly, he was like the third or fourth option at tackle that year yeah, um, after Blake Fisher went down. And meanwhile, Michael Carmody was getting looks ahead of him, and now that guy's in the portal. So, yeah, go figure. Um, that guy's in the portal and couldn't even get a graphic made by Notre Dame's social media team. We might be waiting weeks for Riley Leonard to announce. Maybe that's yeah. why Carmody didn't. That's why he had I, to use hey, the notes. Shout out, shout out to the Carmody family. I know Robbie had a couple injuries, but – they sent two boys to Notre Dame for free, and they didn't do a lick of anything athletically. <laughs> um, That's harsh. <laughs> now, Watts. Watts is absolutely unlikely. There were, I think, four position changes, basically. It's pretty remarkable that he never transferred throughout all of this, and I hope he returns next year, but really just a story of perseverance that, that paid off for him. Yeah, you think about Watts coming in as a three-star wide receiver recruit, changes position twice, basically two and a half times because he started getting those reps back at wide receiver after making the move to safety, but he stuck around. And those are the stories that we as college football fans love because there's so much going on with the transfer portal and what we were talking about earlier, earlier on in the show, these guys moving around, but then you have a guy like Xavier Watts who sticks around and then gets rewarded for it. Now he's a first team all American at, you know, on pretty much every list, but somehow isn't a finalist for the Thorpe Award. It's just like stupidity uh, of college football at its finest, at its finest, I mean. But I do think that Watts is probably the most unlikely. I'm not going to go back and what, Notre Dame is 110 consensus All-Americans now in school history. I'm not going to go back and look at every single one and be like, oh, was Xavier Watts, uh, was his story more improbable than this guy's? But just considering what he's had to go through in uh, the expectations for him going into college, the fact that he's at this point right now uh, is truly just incredible. And I, I think um, he definitely deserves all the credit in the world. And, yeah, I hope he sticks around for one more year. Yeah, would certainly be, be an added plus. So we'll see. Yeah. And then Audric Estimate, too, um, he got some love. And, and Howard Cross, who I haven't talked to you about it, he's coming back to Notre Dame next year, second-team All-American. I think he's going to be uh, one of the leaders on the team next year, probably going to be on a lot of preseason All-American lists. Um, how did you feel when you found out that Cross was going to return next season? It's something that had been rumored for a while, so it didn't take me by surprise. Um, I was surprised when I first heard it a while back. Um, sounds like he's really you know, heads down on getting this master's degree, though. Um, it's just funny because you saw all these draft guys saying, like, of any defensive lineman, he probably improved his draft stock the most this year. And he's saying, you know what? I think I'm good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, his, his dad played in the NFL. Um, I, I probably has a little bit better head on his shoulders on what he wants to accomplish. Knows football isn't forever. So good on him. And we'll definitely take his services back next year. Without a doubt. Maybe next year he'll go from second team All-American first team. But do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up and Riley Leonard announces his commitment? <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to check and see if that's happened yet. Um, I don't see anything yet, but uh, no, I'm all good. All right, I think we're good to wrap it up. Luke, we'll see you again next week. All right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen in the day. I'm going to be back tomorrow, potentially reacting to Riley Leonard's decision, but at this point, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're just going to have to wait and see on that. But either way, I will be back tomorrow with a new episode, so be sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast. Subscribe there as well. You can also rate the show five stars, leave a review, all that good stuff. It really does help out the show a great deal. But I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place.